CEO and founder of Industry Thought Leader Academy, Anne-Marie Cross is a personal branding strategist, a business coach, speaker, author, and host of the internationally syndicated award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. I loved this interview. And especially the part where Anne-Marie talked about her experience with getting a concussion when uh, she was still a teenager and losing her memory, learning to basically re to know herself again. It, it, it was awesome. And you know you're a high performer when something really traumatic happens to you and you're like, oh, you know, this happened, but let me tell you about this other thing that I'm, uh, that I'm doing. I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed diving deeper into powerful business mindsets and powerful distinctions in terms of how your personal experiences impact your professional experiences, how they can actually hold you back from the impact that you um, can have in the world through your business, and how certain stories, certain episodes tend to perpetuate themselves until you actually break the cycle and basically enjoy the kind of life that you want to make it even more specific. She was sharing the story of someone whose grandmother had a lot of wealth and then at a certain point in her life, it was just taken away. So she was basically reliving the cycle of building immense wealth, but then just losing it until she realized that it was just a story that she was propagating and she she managed to broke the cycle. This is just a teaser. Um, I think uh, this interview will also give you some really powerful insights. I shared some cool stories as well that will help uh, you gain more distinctions and make you an even more impactful leader in your business, in your field, in your community, in your niche, and uh, just enjoy exponential success and true freedom, true happiness, and true fulfillment. And also, as always, don't forget to download the power-become-happy-and-wealthy mobile app. It's the same name as the podcast. Thank you so much for being a listener. Uh, the app is going to help you tremendously with boosting sales, unlocking your inner power, your inner leader, so that you build exceptional teams that make your vision reality. Uh, that being said, let's dive into it. We're here with Anne-Marie Cross. I'm very, very excited to sit down and talk and learn more about your journey, more about your insights. Um, and I love your plants, by the way, in the background. Feels oh, very you. zen. They are. They're living ones too. People have asked me, are they real? They are. They are real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The only way to have them. I, I'm not a fan of plastic plants. No, no, that's true. Although you don't have to worry about watering them so frequently, but uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So tell us a bit about your journey. I mean, you're hosting multiple podcasts, you have multiple programs, you're obviously very versed into this world of entrepreneurship. When did you know that you are an entrepreneur? And how did that journey begin for you? Well, I, I share a story, one from my childhood. And I think that is where entrepreneurship, but particularly looking for ways to build an income was born because I grew up with a parents and a family who, if we wanted something, we needed to work for it. And uh, I remember the very first, well, I say money-making scheme that I, uh, that I I had looking back was when I was still a toddler and I was rummaging around in my father's drawers and I found a pair of his old dentures and I thought I have made it rich. Think of all of the money the tooth fairy is going to give me. Anyway, you can imagine my disappointment when the next morning there was nothing there, but I had it all mapped out when oh. I was going to get that kind of thing. Anyway, fast forward on from that, we moved to a farm when I was about 10 and I wanted a horse and my parents said, that's fine. So they loaned me some money. They bought a horse for me, but I ended up having to start a business then. It was a manure business to be able to afford the, you know, the tack, the saddle and so forth and the feed and all of that. And so I had multiple streams of income at young teenager, I, I had the, the horse manure <laughs> and we then we had mixed manure because I mixed not horse and 
and also chicken manure. So that was a main portion, but I was also babysitting, feeding animals. So when I was a young teenager, I had multiple streams of income. Uh, I, I, you know, shared, a, I think you've got the, the previous um, explanation, so you can cut that out. And, I, you know, one of the things when I think back, I really didn't enjoy it because so many of my friends was getting pocket money. But for me, I had to work for it. But unbeknownst to me, I was developing, you know, skills. Um, you know, my father used to say to me, you know, the more product that you have on the road because we had kind of a um you know a, a driveway and then I would put all of the bags there and there was a money jar there and people obviously would pay and he said the more product you have the more it stands out and you know a big sign all of these little things really helped shape you know shaped uh, that kind of entrepreneurial yeah, were your parents of- or are your parents entrepreneurs no, they weren't actually. Interesting. My father, my parents were both from Holland. They immigrated to New Zealand um, and that, that's where I was born. And um, he started a motorcycle business. My father was an engineer and so he was a tool maker. So he would love to come up with new tools and things like that. Now, had he had a mentor back then, he probably could have patented a lot of these tools because the company then, you know, obviously built these things and it helped in their production. But he then started working for himself uh, because he was also a motor mechanic, a motorcycle shop. But what he would do is someone would come in and would say, oh, Bill, can you have help? Something's wrong with my motorcycle. He would listen to it and fiddle with it and said, oh, this and this has gone wrong. But thanks for that. And, you know, so he would, he was thinking more of helping people rather than kind of, you know, getting paid so um anyway so he's tended to to want to just work he loved you know the the creativity the engineering side of things so business was not really for him but I guess that problem solving you know that problem solving as entrepreneurs is challenges and you know what we often like challenges when things get too you know kind of same old same old for us we love new creative projects and doing new things which is a blessing but it can also be Uh, a bit of a problem, particularly, as you know, you can launch a program and unless you continue to evolve it and launch it again and again and again, we tend to get bored and go, I'm going to launch something else. I'm going to do something else, you know, the bright, shiny object. So, um, yeah. So, but, you know, it's a great learning curve. It's a great learning curve and uh, what I use today. And, you know, absolutely. This uh, idea, I was actually having a conversation yesterday evening with uh, a friend. She's in a powerful problem solver and I'm as well. And I realized that it's, it can get very addictive because when something, especially when something works well, you launch a program that does really, really well and things work smoothly. You miss that state of, let me find this problem that I can solve. And more often than not, instead of let's say finding the next level problem we just create problems unconsciously just to get that high of solving a problem right um and yeah i absolutely get what you're saying and it's interesting because like what you shared about your father there's so many coaches and consultants in in that specific state let me just help people um because you know that insight of hey it's okay to help people and make money. That's okay. Yes. You're not taking anything away from people if you're doing that. Um, and loving that aspect of, of life, I think it's super, super powerful, right? I know that mindset is a huge um, pillar in what you teach. And I think this is a super powerful mindset. You probably start with this whenever you have like new coaches joining your programs. Yeah, it's important because, you know, we can help them with the systems, we can help them develop the programs and the products, help them shape their message. But unless they have the mindset to be able to support them, they're only going to get so far because your mindset is going to determine your actions, your actions and behaviour determine your outcomes you know often as entrepreneurs as businesses there are so many different parts of business building that we need to do we need to do marketing and sales customer service and now we've got some incredible tools that we can leverage as part of business but then it's knowing well what tools is best for me what tools is best for my stage of the business and so often I find that businesses are are doing things correctly so that they've got the right tactic the right strategy if you will wrong timing 
Mm -hmm. the phase that you are at in your business. And so they start marketing and layering all those things before they've built the momentum that enables that to continue to grow and evolve rather, you know, spend time working on those core business foundations, build reputation, you know, reputation equity is bankable rather than the numbers, you know, the vanity type metrics. And that can be a distraction. Can you give us a specific example of that just to make it more real? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, and and by the way, everything that I share, uh, it's because of mistakes and learnings that I have made um, and then kind of reflecting back, wow, I could have done that differently. I like to keep things simple. So if you look at the three stages of business, there's the lean stage, the leverage stage, and then the legacy stage. And if we have a look at the lean stage, that is really where you're finding your feeting or your foot footing, I should say, feeting. Um, And so building, you know, where is my niche? What am I? going to really position myself what is my brand how am I different I might be talking about similar things as other coaches and consultants but where's my unique angle looking at offerings what kind of offerings do I have do I have my good better best do I have a number of different offerings so that I have kind of group or or high level you know VIP and then what am I going to start off the the relationship building, getting people um, to get off social media or podcasts or however you're marketing yourself and then developing that, you know, relationship through no like and trust through all of the things that we're doing in business. But what people then tend to do is not really focus on that. Started my business, I need to do marketing. And this lesson was brought home to me when so many coaches would come to me and say, we need to start a podcast. Why do you want to start a podcast? Well, I haven't got... Um, the cut through. I'm sharing my message, but no one is really listening. And then when we had a look at what they were saying, it wasn't that they're, you know, they had a visibility problem. It was a message problem. So I say to people, focus on your message before leveraging. It's like writing a book and all of these publicity things, which we do to build visibility. However, Let's focus on the message first, because if that's not working and you're in a group of your ideal clients, even a smaller group, if you've shared what you do and a number of them haven't said, hey, I think we need to talk, then that's an indication. Let's focus on that message first before you worry about kind of the marketing uh, at scale, you know, the larger kind of podcasting, writing a book, um, getting on other podcasts, all those kind of things. That is so on point. One of my clients was saying, you know, I'm not getting in front of the right people. I'm not getting in front of the right people. I'm not creating calls with the right people. And I looked at his hat at his feet and I said, look, look at what you're doing, right? You, you're just sharing quotes of famous people and you're talking about personal development aspects, you know, that kind of, you know, you're going to get a lot of likes for what Gandhi said at some point, but you're a sleep coach. <laughs> wake up (laughs) what's your I call that what's your thought leadership collateral so you have generally there's two kind of people that I find that um well I love to work with that's the startup coach who's really just starting out and and shaping that message working on core foundations and then you've got the coaches and consultants who've been dabbling who've, who've when I say dabbling they've got stuff but they have so many different pieces it does it's not conjoined it's not integrated yep. and every and they're limited to what they can do because every client that they're getting seems like they've just run a marathon. But as we know in business, there's different stages of the customer journey. And if you have not set up automation, um, you know, the other things that you're doing within your business to nurture those relationships, you're going to get exhausted. And, And they'll often say, I am at the cusp. And people will often say, I don't know why you're not more you know, not more out there with your content and that not more people know about you because yep. what you're delivering is they're poised, they're poised. When they get the right, you know, the right um, support systems in place and their message, I, I kind of um, call that the distinction blueprint. Once they get that in place, things can just take off for them and it doesn't feel like an uphill battle to, to continue building. That is so powerful. And indeed, you know, it took so much energy for, you know, most coaches just to become coaches and to refine their skills. I mean, maybe I, I don't have the exact number, but maybe like 80, 90% of them, if you just put somebody in front of them and they just coached, they would be exceptional, exceptional, right? And it was, it was such a hard, you know, process to get to that yeah. point and they're like oh my god now i have to become a marketer too now i have to you know learn sales now i have to learn systems and automation 
<sighs> but yeah, just like you said, once you realize that it's not actually that hard, actually the hard part is done being a good coach. You know, the additional aspect of let me learn this, 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 and this is not, it's really not that hard. It's just like, I think it's just the judgment towards sales, towards business, towards marketing. Yeah. And, and you know, often as coaches, we're, we're in our business because we want to make an impact. Yes. And a lot of the work that we bring with our clients, uh, it's a, we're in business because we want to make that impact. We want to make a difference in the world. So we're very tied to that. So when we have conversations with prospective customers and we get a no or a not yet, we feel it personally, don't we? Yeah. And so what ends up happening, we don't like to get that no, so we don't ask. And then we end up doing, you know, more coaching because we want to validate that, hey, I'm valuable, you know, my skills and my talents and how I can support you is valuable. But what we end up doing is actually, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, we have to realise there is a sales conversation and there's a bit of a dance yes. and it's not that you're being, um, you know, salesy or anything, but you're actually supporting the client and saying yes to themselves and realising that a no is nothing to do with you as a coach, but rather, you know, um, the client may not yet be ready. Or have mm. you got some really great questions to check in? Because sometimes we can be our own worst block, can't we? So you need to support that client um, through those objections. Because sometimes people don't believe that they're valuable to even invest in themselves. So there's a lot of that going on there as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. And this kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had yesterday with, uh, you know, a high performer who's you know starting her her business her coaching business as well and her challenge her perceived challenge was not having enough time mm. and she you know she was doing all the productivity hacks and so on and so forth and i said look your problem is not time management honestly think of it this way if you charge fifty thousand dollars per client to work with you for your coaching and in a few months, you got five or 10 people to say yes to that six months, even 12 months, it doesn't matter when this happened, right? And you had that influx of, of um, cash, would you still be worried? Would you still be working on in, in your job right now? Would you still not have enough time? And she's like, No, exactly. So your challenge is not that you don't have time, your challenge is that you're not having conversations with people telling them what you have to offer and getting the no, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that takes a lot of guts to really, really understand your value to say, you know what, my coaching is worth 10K, 20K, 50K, 5K, whatever it's worth, but really, really aligning with that number takes work and it's uncomfortable for most people. Right? Who am I to charge this amount of money or to tell this person I'm going to coach them? Right, And that's something that I struggle with a lot. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we mix the conversation too. When we're talking about our um, services, it is different than if we're coaching with a client. It's a different conversation. There's different questions because, you know, often um, when we look at a conversation with a prospective customer, we need to be asking more questions and we need to be delivering information, especially early on, you know, in the yes. relationship. Because you may find that that person is probably, it may not be your ideal client. So sometimes you're having lots of conversations, but if you looked at it, the conversations that you're having with the people that are coming to you, they're the wrong kind of client. You wouldn't be happy working with them anyway. So you're better yeah. off repositioning and starting to have conversation with the right clients who see that value who are ready you know to to step up and that might mean if you're charging higher higher pricing because you've got more years of experience then you should be doing that you know yeah 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 or maybe just you know sometimes not even you know more years than than the prospect but literally the ability to see something they don't 
Yeah. But for them, that that one thing, that one blind spot is literally worth millions in the long yeah, run. Absolutely. Right. And when I say years of experience, that also incorporates things that you have been doing, your experience yes. above and beyond in business, you know, life itself, life lessons and previous industry experience. I'm sure that there are aspects of that that can be brought into the conversation, you know, that, that often is decades, decades of experience that we yeah. bring you know that you we all know that analogy of the mechanic who looked at a car tapped it with a hammer 10 minutes it was fixed <laughs> that'll be x amount x yeah, amount yeah. only 10 minutes to fix yeah but 20 years to know where to hit, hit that you know that yeah. uh, fault and and that's really what we're bringing as coaches but it's often difficult to because it's not a product but it is one question could eliminate a block that's been keeping someone stuck and that's yeah. priceless yeah isn't it yeah yeah for sure. Uh, and I actually have an example of, of, of that exact same thing. We'll circle back to that. Um, I wanted to ask you more about your story. Uh, did you go to college? Like was, you know, business your first venture after finishing school? Tell, tell me more. Tell yeah. us more. Oh, well, you know, I, um, I, when I was at, because uh, in New Zealand, we had secondary school. I actually had an accident. I was concussed. And um, and so I was not able to return to school. I had to go to the hospital to get my memory back and so forth. Um, but I ended up going to night school. And and then my, my parents said, well, look, if you get a part-time job, maybe wait, you wait, don't wait. necessarily. How did you, how did you lose your memory? I fell off my horse right. and I got concussion. And so uh, my parents didn't realise that they actually should have taken me to hospital. So they put me to, they just stuck me in bed. And they, the, the, later on, when I couldn't concentrate and I was falling asleep in class, they took me to to the uh, to our doctors and the doctor said, oh, you really should have taken her to the hospital because she could have gone into a coma had it been, you know, bad. Wow. So I had to go for six months. Um, every like, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, they would pick me up by ambulance with a group of other people who had also been concussed at different ages and they would do exercises with us to get our memory back so we could focus and so forth. That must have been and, interesting. Um, yeah, and it hard. was it was interesting. So um so I, we did that for a while, but I wasn't able to continue and finish off that year of school. But my parents said, look, if you go to night school, then perhaps you can get a part-time job. But anyway, fast forward, I ended up going into um, an office and I had taken at school secretarial practice and accounting thinking I will never work in an office because I always wanted to be a teacher because my whole family is a teacher and I'm also adopted and I know that my biological mother and father were also teachers so it's nature mm. and nurture the teaching and so um, those two subjects accounting and uh, secretarial practice came into it, it, you know, into forte. And then I realized I loved it. I loved having my office supplies. I love stationery, still do. And the bookkeeping and the computers. Back then, the, we, we were only just starting to get computers. We had these big, you know, five and three quarter floppy disks. I mean, this is, the internet wasn't even around back then, um, showing my age now. However, I realized I loved it. So I continued night school, did accounting, then got to law, the law aspect of it, and then realized I don't really enjoy that. I love the people side of things. Yep. So I shifted to doing more human resources. Then I um, specialized in careers. And then I came across to Australia and then I just continued um, studying, you know, at, at different, and even when I had children, I left the workforce after a year, 80 months actually, started a, a secretarial practice. And from there, it just, you know, developed into a career coaching practice. And, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say. I'm an avid learner. I love learning new things and, you know, love the bright, shiny objects. I've been able to tame that a little bit. Actually, I say I had a happy accident as one of the bright, shiny objects back in 2008 was a podcast mm. when I was in the career industry and that's how I started podcasting back in 2008. That was when the global financial crisis hit and what me mainstream media does so very well and they still continue to do that is kind of the doom and gloom and we knew, a colleague and I, we knew that, you know, things were tough but, you know, it wasn't impossible. So we said we need to be the voice of hope and inspiration. We had no idea what we were doing, but thankfully my uh, colleague, he'd done 12 months of study as a 
you know, radio presenter, but he was told uh, your voice is too squeaky. But anyway, we used those skills and we did that podcast for two years. And again, you know, as they say, the, the rest is history. But I loved that medium and the connections that you could yeah. develop. And we learned a lot over those two years. We didn't realise just how powerful the podcasting space was. But you know, looking back, we did. It was a smaller, more niche audience, but highly engaged. And so, you know, as, as we can see now, it's, it's certainly evolved in that time and many more people are listening to, to podcasts. So, yeah, um, yeah nice. for sure. And I'm so happy that you, you felt that, you know, people's need to get a breath of fresh air at the end of the day yeah. and get away from the doom and gloom and listen to somebody who's more optimistic who says, Hey, it's not the end of the world. We got this, we're going to get through this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's exceptionally powerful. You know, before <clears throat> being a full-time coach, I had, I created a personal development through martial arts program and I also had a podcast associated with it. And it's really a exceptionally powerful medium because just like you said, I got to connect with like martial arts masters with personal development leaders. And that only added to my personal journey of growth, for sure. I mean, you get so many insights just listening to people and, and asking questions. Yes. Um, and something that came up while, while I was listening to you, how you know you're a high performer. Something traumatic happens to you and you're like, oh, you know, just, just hap this happened. But let me tell you about what was next, right? Like this woman who broke her back and in an accident. Oh, I broke my back in an accident. But, you know, then I have to take care of my son for how many weeks with a broken back wow so that was a bit, it was a bit like you right i lost my memory i had to re find basically who i am right but let me tell you about my accounting journey and how <laughs> i started studying and you know how i moved to australia <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that it's true. I mean, it, it's like when we were sick, you know, and we were supposed to rest from the doctor, we're not going to lie there for, for more than half a day. You know, I, I was flat on my back. Because every now and again, when I don't stretch, it's my own fault. Um, I'll sneeze and then my whole back goes out. But I tell you, even when I'm, you know, late, can't do anything, I will read something like I've obviously audio books or watch yeah. videos or something like that. There is always something that you can do, you know, and sometimes the body will go, if you're not going to rest, I will just create a situation where you have to. Um, yeah, so that, that's yeah. something that often we need to work on, don't we? Um, for sure, we can push the boundaries. For um, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell us a bit about that. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people would wish they would lose their memory and just forget everything, like all the, their past quote unquote mistakes. And just, if I could just be another person, reinvent myself, right? Yeah. What was that like for you? I mean, um. It's definitely a process and somebody who had a similar situation, I don't know if you know this, is Brendan Burchard. Oh. Yeah, he had a, an ATV accident and he, he was describing the same challenge of learning to read again. And he was a writer, learning to read and write again. And, you know, memory losses, brain fog. Um, how did you deal with that? I mean, what what would you what were you feeling? Like, did you have the sense of, oh my God, I'm never gonna get back to who I was? Or was it, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe I can reprogram some stuff. Like looking back, what would you say yeah. was your approach to it? Well, I, I probably did not realize uh, that there really was an issue because I'd not I didn't have anything to compare it to. And my parents were always like that onwards and upwards, you know, just do what you can kind of thing. And so, and it was so early on um, in this whole, the kind of concussion. I mean, they obviously had the concussion clinic, but the memory, um, the computers and things like that, that was so new. I think they were using us to see whether we could regain, you know, kind of concentration and so forth. So for me, thankfully, I'd only lost a number of days and so, but there were certain things that you didn't realize that you did not 
know till you know something happened and so I think for quite some time though what I did have was headaches Mm -hmm. and I would go to various doctors and chiropractic you know chiropractors and I've tried everything to the point where um, they just said look we really can't help you and so because I also had a horse and we would still ride and fall off and get back on the horse you know again and so I, I still have a lump on my head and every now and again like about a year or two ago actually more than that now three or four years that the last two years is, has uh, moved into one another blended haven't they I actually walked out of my office after getting a massage I had a masseuse that would come once a week that was kind of a you know an indulgent for me sitting in front of the computer all the time mm. but I didn't realize that my door had opened up and I walked straight into it and I tell you I I saw butterflies again, that same spot. <laughs> I thought, here we go again. Um, so still every now and again, there's certain things, you know, that, um, but you just, you know, don't let it bother you. I mean, yeah. I probably, you know, as we know now, they know neuroscience, we can retrain the brain. Mm-hmm. The brain just will find a different neuropath. Yes. Know for those kind of things, and so that's just another challenge we have to, you know, we need to, to move through. I, I think I feel like it was definitely part of your training. I mean, um, your parents definitely gave you or created the environment for you to develop as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I think that event definitely created the environment for you to develop your mental fortitude, your mindset as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, if you can get through that, then whatever, let me uh, give me your best shot business. Give me your best shot life. That's, you know, um, been there, done that. So probably looking back, maybe it was a huge blessing. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Because had that not been for that accident, it was actually a pivotal, a pivotal, pivotal moment, a crossroads, because I then ended up going to, as I said, to 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 school. I actually went and did a course in, um, it was food, you know, prep and so forth. And I topped the marks in the, and they thought, oh, you're going to be a, you know, executive chef and going to the hospitality and tourism industry. But for me, I was just not, I just, you know, I love learning. And so put up, you know, 110% in, but I actually met someone who became a very good friend of mine and she moved to Australia and that's why I followed her. And um, she had, her family was quite large. She had, she had a young uncle and I actually ended up marrying that young uncle and we are now 30 something years now. So, you know, that if it hadn't been for that accident, I would not go have gone and done that study. I would not have met her. My husband often, he often will joke and go, Oh, funny. You hadn't have fallen off your horse, you know, but, but, you know, sometimes it's right. You just, it's like one of those, you know, that movie, the open doors, you walk through and, yeah, but can change your life, you know, saying yeah. yes to an opportunity and sometimes no, you know, sometimes you know in your gut that it's not the right opportunity, then, um, you know, don't be afraid to say no. Because if it if it is something, I'm, I'm sure that it'll come around again at yeah. a different time when, when it's more appropriate. Yeah, for sure. If it's for you, it's for you. There's yeah. nothing that can stop it. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, what would you say was your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur and how did you overcome it? Oh, well, I have what I call my, um, my worst business failure ever, uh, which again was the best thing that ever happened to me because it kind of led me down the path where I am today. It was the wake up call that I needed. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, from that I had to put my big girl pants on and I say that jokingly, but at the time, you know, we built, it was a partnership and we built it up to a seven figure pipeline. We had some great clients that we were working with, but for reasons I won't go into today, it kind of fell by the wayside, but, and it was, I was kind of left thinking, how am I going to get through this? And it wasn't until probably I would say six to eight months later that when I look back, I realized that, you know, I was burnt out, um, couldn't create, couldn't write content. And I'm an avid content creator, love writing, right? Mm. Love developing programs. And so what I ended up doing was starting women in leadership podcast, because I thought I can't write, but I can ask good questions. So I'm going to surround myself with incredible women and unbeknownst to them, I'm just going to ask them, you know, and hopefully learn and grow through their challenges that I've overcome 
come. And three episodes in to a podcast that I created really selfishly to help me deal with my grief and loss, I, um, I generated two four-figure clients. And so it wasn't until a number of years later, I thought if two women who had no idea who I was Googled brand business consultant, came to my website, listened to the three episode where I was interviewing someone, had a look around and thought, I want to work with Anne-Marie. Could I repeat that? So that's now what I teach in my programs and my book and so forth. But, you know, if I look back, I've got, you know, I've kind of got a saying that, you know, this situation will either make me or break me and breaking me is not an option. It's just not an option. So I will find a way to you know to get through that whatever that might be and so yeah that's kind of my my even, mo if you will you know from what i noticed even getting broken as an entrepreneur is still a huge blessing because i'm sure that when that business failed i'm sure that something broke inside of you yeah oh definitely right yeah it took it took months because there was betrayal there too, and it it I knew that it would have the ability if I did not deal with it properly to change some of my core values, and that is a trust. Yes. And I did not want because people would tell me you're too trustworthy. I said I don't want to go around jaded by not trusting people, you know, because that changes who you are. So I actually hired the most expensive private coach in the mindset space that I have ever invested in, you know, my entire life. And it was, so, it was because I, I knew this would have the ability to completely change me and not go out and try risks and, and do things like that. And as entrepreneurs, we have to, and by the way, they're fun anyway, you know, you can't, if everything was, you know, if, if we knew the answers to everything, I mean, how boring would that be? Yes. And at the same time, you know, like when when we get into that state of not trusting people, of trying to stay safe and not, um, you know, not get hurt. Yeah. What we're really doing is trying to rob ourselves of the opportunity of growth, because yeah. unless something breaks, you cannot rebuild you cannot make a new version. And sometimes you do, like sometimes just growth is natural and you just do it because you love it and you're passionate about it. But sometimes we get stagnant. And the only way, just like you said, with your body, the only way to rebuild is yeah. for your body, your life circumstance to say, no, you're taking a break. This is the time for you to reevaluate. You're not really being your full self and you're not listening. But you will listen because we're going to take this stuff away from you that's kind of distracting you right now. And they're all huge blessings in disguise. I mean, if we all had the certainty that everything and absolutely everything happens for us, what point would there be to not trust and keep ourselves safe? Exactly. And there was this whole aspect, too, of forgiveness. Yes. That was the most important thing because we we hold, you know, those feelings, even though we may not see that we do and that was huge yes. for me as, as well and also realizing that there were certain signs and I was just as much how did I contribute to that happening you know so often we we put the you know we kind of go into that victim mode and I didn't like that either there is there's parts to every story that what can I learn from that how can I grow how could I do things differently and there were so many there are so many learnings and opportunities uh, for growth even of your character as well and I now say because I've you know lived it and it is true that these challenges will often shape the character that we need for the next season of our life or maybe yes. it's the lesson that we can continue to share for others and be the light and the hope and support them because what we've gone through uh, they're now experiencing that as as well and what a great gift to be able to share that you know and support someone through that because those things are often what keeps us stuck we know that you know as might as a coach, we realize that it's the things that we have not dealt with and healed from yes. that continue to trigger us in the cycle, you know, and I just, I knew that that would happen. And uh, I thought, yeah, not, 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 uh, not today. And so uh, thankfully, you know, so if I met that person, I would have no qualms, you know, would I go business again? No, because I've learned certain things and um, yeah. yeah. And so, 
And I applaud you for being aware of that and owning the fact that we never, you know, we're never victims. We're always co-creating certain circumstances. And, uh, you know, realizing that and accepting that actually is a huge enabler of power, of inner power. So, yeah, yeah, congrats for that. And you know what? That lesson has really been taught to me and and, and, um, reminded me of that through the many people that I have interviewed, people Mm. who have um, been abused, you know, in their stories. And and I, I hear their stories and I think, boy, oh, boy. How on earth can I, you know, ever say anything about my situation? I remember one person who had been in an incredibly abusive relationship and she had actually been asked to go and speak to a group of women um, who, who, you know, obviously going through that experience. And it was something like the, the, the victims of, um, you know, abuse. And she said, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. She mm. said, you need to change that language because if we continue yep. to say that to ourselves, we will be. And she said, I've, overcome that and she said so none of that none of that victim you know um because you'll never you'll continue to to yeah stay there you know in that state and so that was a huge lesson for me and so yeah so important it's funny how just two or three letters can make the biggest difference in a word right the definition is completely different beautiful beautiful um, and we, you've achieved a lot, you know, a lot of goals that might have felt impossible at some point. What is your big goal that you're aiming towards right now that gets you really fired up? Yeah, great, great question. You know, if I look back at all of the things that I have achieved, you know, if, if I be, if I'm honest, you know, all of the certifications and things that I've done, if I look back at that time, I was doing that because I did not feel enough. Yes. And it was around the identity piece, you know. And so I share that because a lot of coaches will say, well, when I get that next course, when I get that next certification, <laughs> when I win that award, you are enough. And when you get to that stage, then you can start to enjoy, if, if that's the right word, you, because you realise that where you are right now is enough, where you are, are at to be able to support people. So for me, um, I'm really excited because it's taken, and, and this is another lesson that I learned. I interviewed someone who specialised in webinars, and I said, and when do you, did you get it to the stage where it was really working for you? He said, oh, two years. And I said, two years. <laughs> I think I would have given up after, you know, three months or something. So another lesson that I learned, don't give up too soon. So for the last number of years, we've been, you know, my team and I have been trying different iterations of technologies and things like that. And we finally got it to the point where we... um, where we're happy with it and um, that will allow us to continue to build. But I'm really, where my real mission and purpose is, is to help other change makers make a much bigger difference in the world, to be that difference through sharing their message. And what what time now, as all of us have gone through, that is so needed. It is so needed. You know, so many people will need support. Uh, And I think coaches have never been needed so much. I mean, they've been needed all of the time, you know, coaching uh, and and being coached um, is so important, but so needed now with all of the mental, you know, things that people have gone through. We have to go through a whole, you know, people haven't grieved, you know, so lots of different things. So helping coaches to be able to get their message out so that they can make a big difference in the world and, and in the lives of their clients. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It is absolutely needed, just like a breath of fresh air. And it's it definitely looks like you're doing that already, right? Um, yeah. But I was curious to know if you had like a big goal in mind, like a number of coaches that you wanted to impact. Uh, what does that look like for you? Like, oh, What is this scary goal oh, that I've you always, have in mind? Yeah. Well, I, I have um, a, a goal of impacting 1 billion people. And I know that I'm not going to be able to do that myself. So it's going to have to require other yes. coaches as well. And so, you know, how many coaches would a, a thousand, let's just put a figure on that, a thousand coaches and, and then make it 10,000. You know, let's start off small first with but a thousand. How does it feel in your bones when you say a billion coaches or a billion people? 
the people. Oh, it, 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 amazing. And you know what? Someone once questioned me and said, how are you going to monitor that? And I, <laughs> as I said, Jim, you do not know where your voice will end up and who you will impact. And a lot of times, especially with podcasting, as we know, we're not we're not privy to who is accessing our content. But I've had, you know, Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, which is one of the shows that I host and produce, was syndicated for a couple of seasons on a local radio station in Zimbabwe of all mm, places. Another nice. podcast, Ambitious Entrepreneur's podcast, was syndicated on a local radio station in Western Australia. You do not know who's listening, whose life you get to impact. And so, you know, that person will impact. Uh, so it's like a ripple effect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And, um, yes. yeah, so sure. that's, that's exciting. <clears throat> and I found that this is essentially, like, exceptionally powerful um, when you word it because, like, certain doors open up that you wouldn't expect um, or maybe certain people reach out to you that we, we would never expect. What kind of support do you feel and think you would need to impact a billion people? Well, thankfully, with the technology that I have, um, we're able to expand on that. We're able to multiply. So that's fantastic. I've also been um, building up over the last number of years um, an area where we've created training and systems and so forth. And we've just onboarded, you know, and um, an intern and Obviously, with the, the travel restrictions, it's all been online. And so it's really shown that you can make an impact even globally. And I knew that anyway. No, I, mm -hmm. I've always kind of done things differently. In the career industry, I was told, no, you can't coach on the telephone. Back then, Skype and so forth, those tools weren't yet developed. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, why not? We just talk and I talk on the phone to, you know, to, yeah, to colleagues, exactly. to friends and so forth. And then it was, why start a podcast? No one's listening to podcasts. And so the tools that we have today can make a huge difference. You don't need to be in the same room. And, you know, the just the tools. I love using new technology as well and seeing how can we develop mm -hmm. that further to be able to impact more people. And so that's the kind of thing that I enjoy doing too, trying out different tools and then teaching that to my clients clients as well but now what I've got is we'll train it we'll develop a recording about it and then it sits in our membership and our membership you know can just continue to grow it's and so entire team before. here's a question so, for you um because you mentioned that you wanted to impact a billion people through other coaches right because they're going to go out there spread their magic with the world and they're going to impact more people right but I feel like it takes a certain type of coach to be able to do that, right? Obviously, they need to be a leader, right? What else? Like who are, let's say if you only had 100 coaches that you would coach and they would set out to impact a billion people. Yeah. Who who are those people? Who are those 100 coaches? Yeah, great question. So for me, the the the, the coaches that I'm and, and working with now, they really are the change makers. Mm. Often many of them have brought a different perspective to their own content. Mm -hmm. if you will. And so when we talk about innovation, when we talk about challenging status quo, I'll often say to people, you don't need to be the next Elon Musk in your area of, of coaching. You just need to bring 1% because 1% difference can be the difference that your ideal client and your industry needs. Yes. And so these people often will find, and, and this is what, what I say to people, you're, you're in business because really it's in your DNA, your story, your journey, where you've been has developed and shaped you so much so that you have to share your message you know and often that whole excellence and that mastery has come about not through because they wanted to be I'm going to you know what do you want to be I want to be a thought leader they just are <laughs> doing that because to them making a difference one message at a time one person at a time is what drives them and they are who they are not and i and i talk about these two different people and and i'm not judging or anything but there's some that, that are kind of the celebrity chasers and that's okay they want more of that celebrity status mm -hmm. and then there's the change makers and they're the ones that will just do they'll get on the ground and and they'll just do the work anyway but it just so happens that what they have is so needed 
um, that when they get it out in the right way with the right audience and uh, then that's when they can really make an impact. And so they're my ideal clients. And eventually what I will probably do, and I was going to do this in the career industry actually, is um, certify the coaches that I've gone through that I've recognized has got that, you know, kind of, oh, that that extra edge, if you will, mm-hmm. certify them in the program so that they can then go and teach. So you create hubs of more and then they can go and teach multiple. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes coaches, they don't have their, they, they may really love the methodologies that you teach, then certify and support them, you know, in getting out. So well, you kind of create more of you and then they're going out and, and sharing that message. I feel that would be a much more valuable certification because I know you mentioned in one of your recent episodes that when you got your certification, it was like, okay, congrats, here's your diploma. Now go figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, I know. And I've, I've spoken to a number of coaches, actually a lot of coaches, and pretty much I would say between 80 to 90% of coaches do not feel that they've been given the right business building support and ongoing marketing that they need uh, from their coaching schools. You know, I know I didn't and yeah. And so, and, and not just a cookie cutter, but something that can also be tailored to them as well. You know, people don't realize like, for example, I'm not certified as a coach. I don't need a certification. Nobody has asked me for a certification. All that people care about is if I sit down with this person, will I have a powerful experience, right? Yeah. Will, I, will I get closer to who I want to be? That's it. And Tony Robbins isn't a certified coach either. Yeah. Right? So it's not, a, I mean, it's great to get a bit of confidence, but that's not going to give you the permission to say, yes, I am enough. I feel enough. I'm great, right? And you know, most of us do start off seeking that celebrity status, that influencer status, thinking that that's going to make us feel enough. But eventually you realize that there, there's no point in it. If there is no contribution status, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing too, that I noticed that is that often the experience that you bring with certain steps is things that you've done and that you continue to do that you don't realize is actually a methodology. And I learned this, my NLP training, that everything that we do has systems, how you brush your teeth, how you organize things. And it's try brushing your teeth or whatever you do with your left hand, if you're normally right-handed. And when something often is different, it's kind of feels, feels awkward. But then if we create some of those systems and, you know, we can document them and then we can create some beautiful principles around that, guess what? You've just now got your methodologies and your teachings Mm -hmm. that can be quite unique Mm -hmm. in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And often we don't see that brilliance. Others will see that in us, yes. but we don't often see that because it comes so naturally to us. Yes. Yes. Powerful distinction right there. Powerful distinction. <clears throat> and that's why it's so valuable to have somebody from the outside to point that out, to point out that blind spot. Yeah. You're like, you're not really understanding your value. You're not seeing who you truly are. And, you know, as a testament to that, because we were kind of, we touched upon, I promise I would circle back. Uh, we touched upon the idea that one insight, like uncovering one blind spot will be worth millions to you in the long run, right? Um, I had this conversation last week with a super high performing, you know, multi-million dollar businesses achieved. And um, at some point in his life, he lost everything because of some things that happened with his family. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so what happened for him, he started working harder than ever before in his life because he needed to go back to the level where he was, right? And he felt betrayed. He felt lost, you know, felt alone. And he became a much better leader than he was. He became a much better entrepreneur than he was. He had more time or realized the importance of spending time with his family a lot more, something that wasn't necessarily accessible to him before having that event, right? And everybody around him told him that he should have sued his family, right? 
And I sat there listening to him. I said, no, this is your biggest blessing. This is not something that was done to you. This is something that was done with you because you needed to learn certain lessons, right? Um, imagine I have this wand, this magical wand, and I'm going to erase that, that event from your life, but you don't get to keep who you are right now. You're going to go back to who you were, right? what is life going to be like five years from now knowing what you know right now and what would life be like five years from now if that event didn't happen and he got the point right and then a few days, days later i asked him like how how do you feel like oh my god i feel so light you know this this uh weight off my shoulders is is finally off and i asked him how do, how are you showing up as an entrepreneur right now oh, i feel powerful I feel, you know, impactful and that in the long term is just going to grow exponentially for for him. And the funny part is that when we started a conversation, he thought he needed clarity on what his next steps were in terms of strategy. That's not my job as a coach. He's the business master, right? I don't need to teach him business. Right. But if you're listening to this um, and you're a coach and consultant, one insight, one small distinction, that 1% that you were mentioning right now, right? A 1% shift in direction leads to a whole new life in time. That is the value of your coaching. Yeah, definitely. You know, I I, um, I love that story. And, and something that I learned when I was doing more NLP with more individuals, not necessarily business owners, but it certainly can you know, relate to business too. I remember that there was one person who she would continue to build up wealth and then all of a sudden it disappeared. Like yeah. the car would break down, you know, and this was a repetitive pattern. And we identified that her grandmother, or maybe it was a great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, had, um, had, you know, accumulated huge wealth. Yeah. And when the Second World War happened, it was all stripped away from her. And so mm. the story the money story that was passed down is what's the point of building up wealth when they're just going to take it away from you anyway. Right. And the reason, and thankfully we're able to identify that. So to your point, often as business owners, absolutely we get the right strategies in place, but we need to work then on our mindset. And it doesn't matter how or whether you're at six figures, multi-six figures, seven figures, eight figures, whatever, a lot of the paradigms that you would have dealt with, they still will show up. It's just that you're able to recognize them quick, more quickly and able to move through them, you know, and so we all have that. And so I think often look for where are those gaps? Where can you shift that mindset, even if it is that 1%, because that is going to make a huge difference, how you show up for your team, um, you know, the things that you say yes to. And also, I think the things you say no to, oh. that is your time, you know, is the most valuable thing. Money, what's money? You can get that back. Yes. You can't get back time, you know. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. And it's interesting how we, you know, we perpetrate these uh, stories just so that we get a chance, we create an opportunity to break that cycle and even not just from our own history, you know, from our ancestors as well. Very powerful yeah. stuff. Yeah. We're fascinating human beings. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. I remember having a conversation with a client. This was a business client. And she had um, a lot of different areas that we needed to unpack, particularly around money mindset. And I was listening to the way that she was talking about her parents, particularly her father and her right. sister. And I re realized that her love language was different from her father's love language. However, when I reflected back to her about how her father was actually showing love, but in his language, mm -hmm. it was a change. Mm -hmm. she, and she she just broke down. She realized her father did love her. He just showed it differently from his sister. He showed it differently to what she needed. All of these things impact us. Yeah. You know? yeah. And when we realize that, when we have a bit of that self-awareness, we're, we're able to monitor that and, and better so that it doesn't become a trigger and a block, but rather, oh, I recognize you. You're not going to take me off my game today. You, know, you, can, <laughs> you can work through that, you know, far quicker. Yeah. I've seen you before. Hey. Yeah, that's right. Beautiful. I recognize you, but yeah, on your way, off you go. <laughs> Beautiful. So Anne-Marie, how can people save time by following your work or by working with you and uh, just experience more of the beauty of life? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you go to annemariecross.com, there's, you know, articles there, there's podcasts there, hang out on some of the podcasts, listen to those. But from there, you'll see links to different programs or so. But if you want to have a chat, uh, my calendar link is there too. But annemariecross.com is the best place to start. Beautiful. And by the way, guys, Anne-Marie is also doing a weekly Q&A, live Q&A. You should absolutely check that out and put in your most burning questions. Um, and we may be bringing that to um, a Twitter uh, Twitter spaces. We're trying mm, that out with a colleague of mine because it allows, you know, that social audio, it allows for more inter- interactions. So, so I think that's kind of a clubhouse, right? For Twitter. It is like Clubhouse, right? however, it's on the Twitter platform. So what I love about that is that, you know, you've got your followers, you're on Twitter already right. and allows you to, to kind of inter, you know. Develop a deeper connection. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for taking the time. I love this conversation. It was very smooth and flowing and your energy is very... Um, hmm. What is the word? Um, expansive, loving, and also very kind. So I really, really appreciate thank you. you. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity as well. My pleasure. Okay, guys, um, head out to uh, Anne Marie's website. I'll post a link in the description. Check out the podcast, ask some powerful questions, and absolutely. Get in touch with her and see how you can uh, basically stand out in the marketplace through your magic, through your coaching, and be one of the 100,000 coaches that will impact a billion people. Why not? Beautiful. This was fun, right? Thank you so much for tuning in and absolutely give us a review, a rating, wherever you listen to your podcast, whatever service you use to get your podcasts. Tell us what you think. Give us a rating. It's going to help us tremendously. And if you are an entrepreneur looking to boost sales, improve your marketing, but also build a business of true freedom and true success without overwhelm, without overwork, absolutely check out my app, my mobile app. It's called The Power Become Happy and Wealthy app, and you can find it on the App Store and on Google Play. Thank you so much, and I will see you soon.